I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. And thank you, John. Grab your Bible this morning and go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, we are actually going to finish up uh, the fifth chapter uh, in the book of Hebrews in our verse-by-verse study. I wanted to tell you kind of where we're going a little bit. Uh, Today will be our last message in 2020 in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Next Sunday, the message will be a Thanksgiving message, the last Sunday of November. Uh, Brother Mark Dawn, our missionary to Liberia, Africa, is home and uh, he's going to preach for us, hasn't done that in a few years, so I've asked him to come and preach for us. And then the first Sunday of December, we're going to jump right into our Christmas Advent series and uh, get right through Christmas, Christmas Eve, our Christmas Eve services. And so we'll pick back up the first Sunday of January in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1. Now, that's good for a couple of reasons. One, we have a little bit of a change of pace, right? Going to Just taking a little bit of a break, but... But number two, for me, I need between now and January the 3rd to study chapter 6 because it's a hard one, all right? A lot of stuff in there that that we're going to have to walk through, and I'm loving my study. I'm loving the time, what the Lord is teaching me, and I am certainly looking forward uh, to preaching to you today from chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. If you're able and you can stand for the reading of God's Word, would you do that? If you don't stand, you're not going to offend me at all. Uh, But let's just walk. It's only four verses, and I pray that God would deeply speak to us now uh, from His Word. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 11. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now let me pause there for just a second and Say that the, the writer is, is saying, I'm talking about Melchizedek and Christ the high priest, and I'm trying to unpack that for you and help you understand that, really implying that this is some of the deeper truths of the Bible, the deeper truths of the gospel, but he feels like he needs to pause for just a minute and say, that some of you are not getting it, and I'm going to tell you why you're not getting it. I'm going to come back to it in a minute. He picks back up with Melchizedek and Christ as our high priest at the end of chapter 6 and all of chapter 7, but he pauses for just a minute and he says, I'm giving you some meat, some solid food for your soul, but unfortunately, some of you have become dull of hearing. Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you. Again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature 
for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. Jesus is better than perpetual adolescence. Lord, thank you for this text. The beauty of expositional Bible study and preaching is that every subject that needs to be covered, it will be covered if we will just preach the word. This is an important subject today about growing up, growing up in Christ, taking our faith seriously and and engaging and growing and getting the nourishment that we need for our souls. I pray that growth would take place right now in this service. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to have the best ears, the best eyes, and open up our heart to receive the engrafted word today. I pray for the one that might be here today that has never been born again. They are dead in their trespasses and sin. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would bring them to life in Christ. Show them the cross. Show them that they must admit that they're a sinner, that they violated the law of God. They must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess their sin, and confess you as Lord in order to have eternal life. For those that have done that, those that have been saved, God, remind us for just a few minutes that we are always supposed to be on a trajectory of growth in our spiritual life. Holy Spirit, I believe in you, and I believe you're going to do your work now through the Word, and I pray this in Christ's name. And God's people said, Amen. Be seated if you would. At some point or time in all of our lives, we heard our mom and dad say, It's time for you to grow up. Now, it might have been said out of frustration, angst, uh, haste, but the truth is we most assuredly needed to hear that in the moment. I'm looking around the room today, and by and large, I see a few babies or smaller kids, but by and large, I'm looking around the room, and I don't see anyone that is enjoying a pacifier in the middle of the sermon. There's a reason for that. The reason for that is it, it just doesn't make sense, right? As you grow up, as you get older, you grow up and you grow away from the things that you need that are necessary for you to survive as a child. Do you remember as a kid how much you longed to grow up? You always wanted to be older, sitting right over here. No, actually, she just left to go to the fourth and fifth grade class, is our little Lexi, our youngest daughter, and she is so excited. It comes up in her conversation a lot that this coming March, she is going to have two numbers in her birthday. She's nine now, and she's going to turn 10, and she cannot wait to have two numbers in her birthday. How many of you today wished you just had one number in your birthday, right? I mean, you remember you couldn't wait till 13. I'm like, 13 years old, I'm a man now, right? I'm in the, I'm in the youth group at church, and then, and then 16, I'm going to get my driver's license, and then, heaven's sake, man, when I turned 21, I was a man, right? Well, this week, I, on Friday, I was... Uh, in the chiropractor's office. Vladimir Zurich is a member of our church. He was sitting right back here in the first service today, and, and I was laying face down on the table, and he was crunching my neck and my back, and, and we were talking about getting old. And he said, you know, Pastor, he said, I'm coming up on my 30th birthday. 
And he said, you know, it just, it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. I've been in school all these years, and now I'm going, holy cow, I'm going to be 30. I remember coming out of my 20s, I, I kind of started feeling like I wanted to go backward, right? I don't want to leave my 20s. And then before you know it, I'm, I'm 40, and now I'm an old man with gray on my chin, staring at 50 years old. How many of you know that there are some 50-year-olds, unfortunately, that act like they're 21? Man, y'all didn't get real many right there. And yet there's some 21-year-olds that are, that are very, they're mature. They almost act like a 50-year-old. And certainly there are a variety of mitigating factors that go into that. But we can all agree that age does not equal maturity. The conversation changes, Right? The learning curve changes as you grow up. You don't, you don't talk to your 21-year-old like you did when they were one. You don't talk to your 11-year-old even when they were one because there's this expectation that they're growing up and they're getting more understanding about life, and there is an expectation to mature and grow up. I read this week that adolescence used to be considered 13 to 18. All right, But now they're telling us that adolescence is 10 to 24. And that means that children are getting exposed to more at an earlier age, but unfortunately on the other side, they're not maturing and growing up as fast. That's why the Los Angeles Times did an article a couple years ago entitled, 27 is the new 18. In other words, we got 27-year-olds that are acting like they're 18, and they're not growing up, and they're not maturing. Now, I gave you that little sociology pep talk this morning to bring that into the spiritual realm. The writer here in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, he is addressing Christians that are in the local fellowship of the church who are not growing up in their faith. They are actually squandering the opportunity to grow up. There is, there is childish behavior going on in the church. So I've entitled this message today, Perpetual Adolescence, because I believe the text shows us three ways that you can live in perpetual adolescence. Look at it with me. The first thing that we see is a choice not to listen. If you make a choice not to listen, you're going to live in perpetual adolescence. I don't know how many times. You can ask my mom after the service. My mom and dad would say, I wish you would just listen to me. Would you just listen? And that's what the writer's saying here. You're not listening. You have become dull of hearing. Now, that phrase, you have become, is in the present tense and so what he's really saying is, there was a time when you were listening. There was a time when you were growing. But now you're at a point where you have chosen not to listen. And that word dull there, it means lazy and it means sluggish. It's the opposite of being attentive, of being alert, of paying attention. It, it is a, a casual, blasé attitude toward the Word of God. The writer is saying, when the Word of God is spoken or preached or taught, that you need to listen up and hear what God is saying to you. How many of you remember years ago the E.F. Hutton commercials? Do y'all remember that? 
I used to love the if hut. How many of you don't know what I'm talking about? All right, so I can know, okay. About half of you are missing out on the finer things of life. But the E.F. Hutton commercial, it was, it was a commercial, and it would start, and it would be talking about E.F. Hutton. I think it was financial services or insurance or whatever. And, and they would have different commercials. Like, example, they would be working in the office, and everybody would be busy. Or, or there would be this big outdoor event, and people are just scurrying around. And then all of a sudden in the commercial, it would say, but when E.F. Hutton speaks... And everybody would just freeze right in place. Nobody would, I mean, nobody would even blink their eyes, right? Because when E.F. Hutton speaks, the implication is everybody wants to hear what E.F. Hutton has to say. Am I speaking to a crowd of people this morning that believe that's what the Bible is for? That when God speaks, we listen? When God's word is read, we listen, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds. Now, I'm going to confess to you a weakness of mine. Through the years, I really was struggling with it in college and have had to learn it even more in my years of ministry. I've had to work at developing good listening skills. How many of you remember when you were in college and you would go into a class and you would go, this teacher is the bomb diggity, right? I love her. I love him. They're on my wavelength. I look forward to going to their class. They speak in my language. But then you went to other classes and you went, man, I'm not getting it. Okay, we're not, we're not, we're not jiving here together. And about four weeks into the semester, You're trying to go online and find out where you can print out the withdrawal class papers, right? Or you want to change teachers because because you're not learning what you need to. Let me tell you what I've discovered in my life. As I've gotten older, I look back on that and I realize that I was more of the problem than the teacher because I didn't have good listening skills. You take a man with a PhD in New Testament and put me in the class from Alabama, okay, There's a little bit of a gap there, all right? And so what I needed to do was I needed to learn. I needed to learn how to focus in, how to take good notes, how to be interested, because that's where God had me. I had some immature listening skills. I love what the Puritan preacher Richard Baxter, in his piece, Directions for Profitably Hearing the Word of God. He said this. Look on the screen. Make it your work with diligence to apply the word as you are hearing it. Cast not all upon the minister as those that will go no further than they are carried as by force. You have to, or you have work to do as well as the preacher and should all the time be as busy as he, you must open your mouths and digest it. For another cannot digest it for you. Therefore, be all the while at work and abhor an idle heart in hearing as well as an idle minister. I love that. I love that. It's our resp- Every one of us, it's our responsibility to open up our mouth and to receive the food of the Word of God, to listen to it, to uh, get the information, and then to make an application which ultimately will lead to transformation in our lives. Now, the process carries on because in verse number 12, he says, because you've become dull of hearing, we've got a problem in the church. We don't have enough teachers. We don't have enough disciples. Now, don't think of that word teacher 
as an official position, like pastor or uh, you know Sunday school teacher, small group leader. That word there is a word of discipleship across the body. Here's what he says. Some of you by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone else to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. Now, where does this all begin? It all begins by a deliberate choice to not listen, to become lazy and sluggish. Look at me for a minute. I want to ask you today, right now, where you're at in your spiritual journey, have you become lazy and sluggish with your intake of the Word of God? Have you made a choice? Have you become dull? Do you come to a setting like this, hungry, eager to take what you hear and then apply it to your life? Or do you take the information and file it away and not use it? That's exactly what the writer is saying here. Which leads me to the second thing in the text. Not only if you're going to live in perpetual adolescence, there is a choice not to listen. But number two, there is a lack of desire to grow. Now don't raise your hand and don't say amen. But answer this question in your own heart as the Holy Spirit prompts you right now. Do you truly have a desire to grow in Christ? Do you really desire the Word? Do you really want to disciple and teach others? You know, I believe this. There are some Christians that don't even want to be challenged. There are some Christians that are content right where they're at. And this is a choice that every Christian has to make. What will you live off of in your Christian life? Now, how many of you know that we cannot survive on Doritos and honey buns? How many of you like Doritos and honey buns? All right. They're feeling, right? They Oh, man, we know. They taste good, right? We enjoy them, but we know, humanly speaking, that you can't live, you can't get any nutritional value out of a Dorito bag and a honey bun. I think the same is true in the Christian life. So many Christians today settle for Doritos and honey buns, and it feels good, it feels filling in the moment, but it does not last. That's why we have so many people who call themselves Christians who are looking today for cheap thrills and confectionery sugar as opposed to being hungry for the Word of God. The Bible says in verse number 13 that everyone who lives on milk, do you see that phrase? That phrase implies that you have a choice to make in your participation level. That if Christ is in you, he puts a desire in you for the Word of God. Once you're born again, you're saved and secure for all eternity. But that does not mean that you're going to desire the things of God, the Word of God, more than you're going to desire the things of God. It is a choice we make. And I'm asking you today, as God is speaking us through this text, are we making a choice to live off of the milk of the Word as opposed to the meat of the Word. You know, every week we all make choices of how we spend our time, what we focus on. 
And the writer here says, there's some of you that we're having to focus our time and attention teaching you again what we have already taught you. When you ought to be teaching others, we are having to reteach you because you're not receiving the teaching that we are giving. Look at that word basic principles back up in verse number 12. The original language, that word is literally the ABCs. Now, when we were in kindergarten, we were all taught the ABCs, right? And right now, we could all recite them together. And I know this growing up, that in first grade and second grade and fourth grade and eighth grade and twelfth grade, my teachers did not have to reteach me the ABCs. Because once I learned them, I had committed them to memory, and of course, I could, I could recite them. But, but what he's saying here, he's saying is, is that some of you have fallen into the trap of Satan that this is just about information. It's about things that you know, but you're not making an application which ultimately leads to transformation. And so, therefore, you're forgetting, you're walking away from the teaching that you're given. How many times have we said to our children, did, did you not hear what I just said? My mama. How many times did my mama, did, my daddy, son, did you not hear what I just said to you five minutes ago? The writer says, we've been pouring into you, we've been teaching you, and, and you're not engaging your mind and making application to your life. I love R. Kent Hughes. I read a lot of his stuff every week in the preparations of my sermons. And R. Kent Hughes says that today's scandal in the church is Christians without Christian minds. Christians without Christian minds. Christians without biblical minds. You know why? Because we are allowing the world to shape our thinking. We are allowing a corrupt, godless news media to shape our thinking. We are allowing secular institutions to shape our thinking and to shape the thinking of our children. We are letting progressive theology and progressive Christianity shape our thinking. We are allowing the American gospel, as we've been looking at on Wednesday nights over the last few weeks, which is not another gospel. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, there's only one gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ that we find in the Scripture. But we're allowing the health and the wealth and the feel-good prosperity gospel to shape our thinking as opposed to strictly letting the Bible shape our thinking. We crave so many things. The text says that we should crave the Word of God. There's a part of you, Christian, that walked in here today. You might not have said it out loud, but, but what you were really saying when you walked in here is, I need the Word. Come on, Pastor, don't give me Doritos and honey buns. They may be enjoyable for a few minutes, but Pastor, I need the Word. A few years ago, our family, we went to a church, a mega church on a Sunday, and we walked in the church, and and I promise you, when I go to churches, when I'm able to visit other churches, I don't, I don't walk into the church with a bad attitude and what do I not like and what am I going to get mad about? I don't do that. I go to worship. But, but I, I walk in the church, and I can say this about the church, man, great cup of coffee. They had great music. 
Uh, there's no telling how much they paid for those lights, you know, that were coming down right at the moment when Death Was Arrested was played. I mean, it was, there were people, a lot of people there, and, and uh, you know, it seemed like a friendly atmosphere and so forth. And, and we sang a few worship songs, and then a pastor and an author got up, and he gave about a 40-minute talk that centered around a book he had written. And, man, I sat there, and I listened to him, and I was like, man, you know, he's got some really good things to say. I mean, he said some things that, you know, I learned. I mean, it was very informational. And, and uh, again, a lot of good things in his talk. But I remember walking out of that building and walking out to my car, and, friends, I was starving for the Word. I was starving for the Word. Because in that 40 minutes, he did not give me the Word. He gave me some good Christian psychology. When we come together in a setting like this, you know what we need? We need the Word. We need the Scriptures. And the writer here says this is, this is what is solid food for our souls. And so I'm asking you in this moment to check your desire a meter. Do you have a desire for the Word of God. We're living in a day where people seem to be more attuned to how to have a better day than how do I take up my cross daily and follow Jesus. That's the Word. Friends, there's no plan B. The Word says grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not okay to stay in spiritual infancy. It's okay to be a spiritual infant. That's okay. That means you've recently been born again. You've recently been saved. And we, man, we celebrate that. And we celebrate the baptism. But from that moment on, it's time to move out of the church nursery and into a deeper, more solid relationship with Christ. We see this over and over in the Scriptures. Jesus even said it to His disciples, there's more that I want to tell you, but you're not able to handle it. The writer of Hebrews says, I want to dig into this subject of Melchizedek even more and expand it for you, but some of you are just not interested. Brother Dave Stark here preached on Wednesday night, did an outstanding job. And if you haven't heard that message, uh, you can find that online and go back and listen to it. But he said something that kind of perked my interest because of the message today. He was talking about our desire, and, and he said this. He said, you know, when you bring up the subject of the holiness of God, how many people go, oh, well, you know, that's just a deep subject, or that's a subject that, uh, you know, theologians or pastors or other people wrestle with? No, that's something that every Christian needs to study and to seek out the deeper truths of God. You've got to move past the A, B, C's of the gospel. Notice verse number 13. He says, when you live off of milk, when you make a choice to live off of milk, you are going to live a life that is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That word unskilled there means you're unacquainted with. You're unaccustomed to. That means your Bible, church. That means the, the word that God has given us. You do believe today that <clears throat> we have an authoritative and sufficient book, right? There's 66 books in the canon that God has given us. And once we got saved, hopefully if you didn't have a Bible, somebody gave, it, gave you one, or you went out and bought one, a good one I hope, and you begin to read it and to study it, 
It is God's plan. It is God's purpose. It is God's will for all of us to become accustomed with and acquainted with the Scriptures, to get in it and to read it and to study it and to digest it and to grow in it. And that is something that is supposed to be in the heart of every Christian. And so I would ask you today, if you're a Christian here and you say, man, I just don't have a desire for that, I'd do two things. Number one, I would, I would check my salvation. I know that's a bold statement, but there's some people that think they're saved that are not. Number two, if you are saved, then I would check the desires of my heart. And I would say, Lord, what is it that I'm loving more than you? What is it that has crept into my life that has my flesh and my desire pointed toward when, when you say my desire should be pointed toward you and your word and then repent of whatever that is? And I promise you, God will put in you Psalm 37, verse 4. If you delight yourself in the Lord, He's going to place the right desires in your heart. You're going to desire the word. You're going to desire to grow. If you don't, you're going to live in perpetual adolescence. The third thing I see in the text in verse number 14, you will live in perpetual adolescence by lack of intentional discipleship. By lack of intentional discipleship. Look at verse 14. Solid food is for who? For who? For the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. Now, how many of you believe that as people come into Christ, they're babes in Christ? The Scripture even says that. Calls us babes in Christ. There needs to be a place for baby Christians to go and to grow. All right? So a baby Christian doesn't need to hang out at the Dorito and Honey Bun place. <laughs> the baby Christian needs to go into a place where they can receive nourishment and, and they can engage in the, mal, uh, the maturation process and grow up in Christ. Now, once you become a Christian, you're a baby in Christ and you begin to grow, you learn a lot of things. And I think sometimes in this discipleship process that we unintentionally present that information is going to lead to where over here somewhere, you're going to take a written exam. When the Christian life is never about a written exam. The Christian life is born again, saved, you begin to grow, you begin to help others grow, and that process takes place right on into eternity. So when it comes to discipleship, as he says in the text, there needs to be some Christians who grow up and realize we must engage in discipleship to help Baby Christians grow up, so they will eventually engage in discipleship, and we're constantly growing and helping others grow. Is that not the mission of the church? Notice verse 14, if that's going to happen, there has to be solid food. Solid food. That word solid there means firm. The firm foundation that we have is what? I love the hymn writer from years ago that wrote the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. Ye saints of the Lord, the foundation is laid for your faith where? Say it out loud, church. In His 
Say that again. In what more can he say? What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus has fled? You see, when you come to Christ and Christ changes your heart, you begin to grow and you know that in his word that God has said everything he wants to say to you. We're not looking for a special revelation or a vision or for God to speak to us out loud. God speaks to us out loud when we read his Bible, when we read the word. It's the foundation. It's a firm foundation. Please know this. I believe in the authority of the scriptures. I believe in the sufficiency of scriptures. There's too many Christians today running to this progressive Christianity. What is this group saying? What does that group saying? What does this liberal what book is this liberal theologian wrote? Please hear me today. I don't care what Dr. Picklesheimer says. I want to know what God has said. I want to know what the Bible says. Because the Bible is the solid, firm foundation by which I stand. The Word of God is food for my soul, more so than a book on Amazon. And I read a lot of books off Amazon. But we're not going to neglect the Bible. You know why? Because the Bible is the place that we get our faith. That phrase in that song, faith means the biblical doctrines that we believe. Glance back up in verse number 12. He says, the principles and oracles of God. He's saying, principles, this is what we hold to. This is what we conform to. This is what we follow. The oracles of God, this is what God has said. This is what God is telling us. That is the solid food for the mature. Uh, someone in this church joined in with a church start several years ago, and they had this, sorry to say bright idea, but that sounded a little bit condescending. Uh, they had this bright idea <laughs> that they were going to be interdenominational, and that sounds good, doesn't it? We're all going to come together, we're all going to hold hands, and we're going to sing kumbaya and so forth. And they weren't even there a week or two, and someone in the church stood up and said, if you're, he stood up out loud, pointed at the door, and said, if you're going to come to this church, leave your doctrine at the door. You don't have a church if you don't have doctrine. <laughs> that is the basis of what we believe. Now, you and I can disagree on certain things, and, and uh, we can talk about the Scriptures and, and try to get a better understanding of the Scriptures, but at the end of the day, the book of Jude says that Christians are to contend for the faith. What is the faith? The fundamentals of the faith. That the Bible is the inspired, infallible, and errant word of God. That Jesus Christ is the sinless Son of God. He is God, and He is the only way to the Father. The blood atonement is the only way that a person can be saved and forgiven of their sins. Jesus was born of a virgin. And the Bible is sufficient, and it's the authority for our life. But hear me in the church. Hear me in the church. I thank God for those who are growing and people that are mature in Christ help me so much, right? I love getting around mature Christians that can just go right to the Word. But here's what happens when you live in immaturity. Look on the screen. I love R.C. Sproul here. R.C. Sproul said, Immature understanding of biblical doctrine, it leads to immature thinking and living. Thus, many believers do not live up to their calling in Christ to be salt and light to the world. 
Now, again, I don't want to be condescending, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. Even as a pastor, there are times, it happens to you too, when you engage in conversation with Christians, and it doesn't take you very long to see that they're immature in Christ. They're immature. They don't have a biblical foundation. It's like sometimes when you're an adult and you're carrying on a conversation with a child and the child doesn't even get where you're coming from. It's because they don't know or they don't understand the Word of God. And it's okay, hear me, it's okay to be that way. It's just not okay to stay that way. Because as a Christian, you're growing up in Christ. Do you want to live your whole life being immature? I mean, think about it. Humanly speaking, sociologically speaking, do you want to be a 50-year-old and be addicted to video games? Or do you want to have a purpose in life? In the Christian life, do you want to be a 50-year-old that's addicted to flannel graph stories? Or do you want to be somebody who's strong in their faith and is looking around for young, tender people to help them grow in their faith, to evangelize and disciple and say, come grow with me. That's the way God designed it. Okay, look at the last phrase there in verse 14. He says, you've got those who constantly practice their faith. Circle that word practice in your Bible. That word is the word that we get for gymnasium. Now, when you go to the gym, those of you that go to the gym, I've been a couple times. Don't laugh at me. I've I've, I've went and looked around for a membership and then didn't sign up. When you go to a gym, what do you do? You work out, right? You run on the treadmill, you get on the elliptical, you lift weights. You're trying to, you're trying to improve your health to get a little stronger, right? So you can, you can function better in life. That is, that is the exact word that the writer of Hebrews is using here. He's saying that, that you're training your senses, your perception. Oh, church, hear me now. We are living in a day when the church needs a boatload of discernment. A boatload. We need discernment about what is biblical and what is not biblical. We need discernment about what is good and what is evil. How can I do that, Tim? Watch, watch. Here we go. I want everybody right now, just for an illustration's sake, close your Bible. All right, everybody close your Bible. Close your Bible. All right, we close the Bible. Now, if we took up all the Bibles in the room, there's enough knowledge already in your head and your heart to go out there and be salt and light and make a difference. So step number one in practicing your faith is really simple. Just start doing what you already know. There are a lot of things that you've committed to memory in your life that you can regurgitate or put down on a piece of paper that maybe you're not practicing. We know the Scripture says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We know that we're supposed to go evangelize and make disciples, but the truth is we've got people sitting in the church that are not lifting a finger to evangelize. Not lifting a finger to disciple. So we already know that. Can we agree right there? We already know that. We know that we're supposed to be in the Word. Some of you spending hours more on the news right now than you are in the Bible. My phone rang this morning. I, I, I'm going to share this now. A pastor in another state was sharing with me about a 55-year-old lady that took her life yesterday, and she left a note. 
that she's overwhelmed with fear about COVID-19 and she just can't get over what's going on in our nation. She's just overwhelmed. And so she took her life. 55 years old, Christian, churchgoer, totally paralyzed by fear. Now, as soon as I start talking about this, some of you are inevitably going to go, oh, well, you're saying not be careful. No, I'm not. Listen to me. God is not the author of fear. God, that's what the Bible says. God is not the author of fear. And what's the worst thing that could happen to me today? That I wake up in the presence of the Lord and be with Christ for all eternity. Now, some of you are going, oh, he's just going to be foolish. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not being foolish. I've got faith, though, that I'm in God's hand. And whatever he wishes to do in my life, he's going to do it. You know how I learned that? Because I've been practicing my faith since I was 13 years old. I haven't arrived, but I'm growing. And I've had a whole lot of other people help me understand that. Grow. I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm not going to live my life in fear. I'm not going to live my life in fear. I'm going to take what I already know, and I'm going to put it into practice. Look on the screen, A.W. Pink. Our process comes from using the light we already have, putting into practice the truth already received. Unless this is done, we move backward. And the light which is in us becomes darkness. Manna not used breeds worms. Exodus 16. Milk undigested. Not taken up in our system, it ferments. What do we do? We trust God. We cling to His promises. We hold on to the confession of our faith. We hold on to the throne of grace. And we say, God, I trust you. Grow me up. See me all the way through. We get a good steady intake of what we need nutritionally, spiritually, that helps us progress right on into glory. I'm going to close with a story. They've had a problem out at the Grand Canyon for the last several years with the mule deer. The problem is, those of us who visit the park, we come in there and maybe we bring some food with us or we go to the concession stand and get some food and, you know, we get us some popcorn or or M&Ms or cotton candy or whatever and then we'll eat it and Maybe we'll leave it laying on a park bench or we'll uh, you know, eat a portion of it and throw it into the trash can. And so the problem is these mule deer, they're finding their way into our leftovers. Okay, And so what I've read is, is that these mule deer have a digestive system to where they're able to digest the vegetation that they normally would eat out in the, the wilderness. But when they start even eating this junk food that we leave laying around, their, their digestive system begins to break down. They become very ill. It, they're not able to reverse it. And ultimately what happens is the park rangers have to terminate the life of the deer because they're so sick. They said it's been so bad that, that the mule deer will just you know come up to the to the uh, visitors to the park all sick and wobbly. They're looking for their M&Ms. Instead of what a deer would normally do, take off running, right, when they see a human being. And, and it's become a problem. And so, so they have a choice to make, right? Do they say, all right, no more food in the whole park. You can't bring any in and we're not going to serve any. Or do they say, 
Look, uh, be responsible with the food and don't leave the junk food laying around. When I read that story, I began to think about the church. I began to think about the body of Christ. And I want to say how thankful I am for all of the Bible teachers and preachers who give out solid food that bless my heart and my soul. This morning I was texting with some pastor friends who are preaching right now, and we were just encouraging one another, hey, preach the Word, stand strong, give the people the Word, because that's what they need, right? But my heart breaks as I look around today, and you've heard me mention this over the last several months especially. My heart looks around today, and my heart breaks at people who flock to places that are giving nothing but junk food. Nothing but junk food. It's like a honey bun and Doritos. It's filling in the moment. But it just doesn't last. It doesn't last. And there, there, there are a lot of casualties. Just hear me. There are a lot of casualties. For Christians who have been saved 10, 15, 20 years, who've just had a steady diet of cotton candy and M&M's, and they're not getting a steady diet of the Word. And I would say this for our church, for His grace and for His glory. May we always, always be hungry for the Word. Hungry for the Word. To, to Parents, you should rejoice when you go to a service somewhere and you get in the car and one of your kids say, ah, that, man, that was, that was a nothing burger. You ought to rejoice over that. Because we're training up our children into what they need. <laughs> they need the Word. Because we need the Word. Amen? So hear me today. You've got a decision to make. Now, you've got to answer the own question for yourself. You've got to answer it. Are you growing in Christ or are you living in perpetual adolescence? I have the authority of the text today to say to you, grow up. Grow up. Get out of the nursery. Start acting like a child of God. Start seeking Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Amen? Let's pray together.